An auctioneer hard at work at wool sales and the wool market continues to show tremendous strength underpinned by strong demand for our fibre. And long may it continue uh, with wool growers around the country generally very happy. And uh, hello, welcome to The Yarn. I'm Marius Cumming and later we hear from the biggest sheep experiment in the country, the Merino Lifetime Productivity Project. And we head to a place we haven't heard yet on the yarn, a country with strong connections to Australia uh, and a country that straddles the, uh, the continents of both Asia and Europe. I'm sure you can guess what it is. Before that, though, uh, on the yarn, we're not going to shirk away from some of the harder issues and Australian wool innovation has been attracting more than its fair share of bad publicity lately. AWI Chairman Wal Merriman has taken the step of writing a letter to all wool growers explaining issues such as office relocation, staff redundancies and company oversight. Well, what's in the letter? Well, there's three things really. There's, there's the relocation issue that Barnaby Joyce is trying to get some RDCs to relocate to um, various regional cities. The board looked at this some three years ago at the end of the lease in Sydney and uh, we thought it was better to uh, stay in Sydney at a, a 30% reduction in cost. The next uh, issue addressed in the letter is the redundancy payments. Came up at Senate Estimates as well. Yes, well, um, the redundancies, uh, I'm quite amazed at the way this has taken off because this actually saved us money. We uh, made seven people redundant. That produced a, a cash positive figure of 700,000 per year, 700,000 in the first year, sorry, and 2.3 million per year. So in five years we saved the company $10 million. And I understand that with that particular funding, that saving, you've got a particular purpose in mind, potentially having another go at shearing at the, at the big one, trying to make shearing easier? Yeah, well that was a strategy that came out of the board meeting. History shows that trying to find a, a replacement, if you like, for, um, for manual shearing has been littered with expense and failure. However, um, we think it's a good time now, some 10 or 12 years after the last effort, to look at all the things that are out there, robotics, um, laser, anything else that's there to see if we can find up, find something to uh, deal with the cost so of shearing. A global, a global search. So the third issue that you've mentioned in the letter, which really followed on from the other two issues in the media, was uh, the oversight. So there has been quite a bit of uh, political jostling recently to say because of these issues, AWI should be, uh, there should be more oversight of AWI. Well, that's right. Some of the state-funded organisations and their umbrella group wool producers have called for this oversight. They don't really understand the model that we, we operate under. AWI is owned by the shareholders. We're different to all other RDCs, with the exception of dairy, uh, that I know of. So when they expect the board to accept oversight in, say, the statutory funding agreement, the board can't do that. The board's primary uh, responsibility and fiduciary duty is to the shareholders. So they've just got to say, no, we don't accept it. So you've just come on the back of uh, an industry consultative committee uh, where I presume all these things were brought up. I mean, it, uh, for them it hasn't been a good look. Uh, what happened at ICC when all these issues were brought up? Well, the ICC minutes are being drawn up and, and will be uh, available on the website. I don't feel like um, commenting on them until that's, that's public. But uh, we, we have very good meetings, we have very good discussion. Those three issues were, were publicly aired. 
and uh, a decision was made on the remuneration, which will be on the website when it's made public. How do we sort of uh, move on from this? I mean, it, it hasn't looked good in the media, but you feel as though you've done the right thing by growers? Oh, certainly. I moved on two weeks ago. It's the rest of the industry that uh, seems to want to talk about it. So what's, uh, what's the next step? Well, there's an election this year. Uh, these people who are disaffected and think that uh, they could run it better, well, they can stand. Not a problem. They get the 100 votes and uh, they stand for election. That's on in November. And will poll is uh, next year and people, will growers get to decide the future funding of AWI? Next year. Is it that close? It only seems like yesterday we had the last one. I think it's very good that growers, shareholders have the opportunity to say whether they have this company or not. But it seems very regular and it's quite a cost. If we could extend wool pale, that'd be good. Well, thanks for your time and uh, all the best for wool in the future. It's uh, generally very happy days. Thank you, Maris. Yeah, it's a terrific price and uh, I hope everybody can uh, get some of it. Peter Slacksmith here with Rob McBride from Australian Wool Growers Association. Rob, we're here in Sydney today. We've just been involved in the AWI Industry Consultative Committee. What were the key outcomes for you? I guess the key outcomes is, look, just valuing how wonderful the staff are within AWI and how we're actually promoting as an industry and that there was a few issues that we felt we weren't consulted with and we are now consulted with. We're very happy the team that you've got with AWI are moving ahead as our industry. My only concern and a lot of those are concerned is that the number of sheep growers actually declining when wool prices are at all-time high and that's an issue. And you were saying you're selling some wool next week, so you're looking forward to selling some wool with the current prices? Absolutely. Look, you know, we've all got bank managers that actually like us now, and we're the first in 50 years we've always had to hide away from bank managers. Now we're, we're ringing them up instead of the other way around, so look, nah, really enjoying it. And for wool growers who are listening to this podcast, what would you say to them after today's meeting? Oh, look, it's all very positive. We as an industry, Wall's doing a good job. He's trying to unite the industry, and we, we're all coming from different sections and different areas, but we all support the growth of our industry, and that's all we're here for is to have different views, air the issues and our dirty laundry in an area and actually advance our industry because at the end of the day that's why we're in it. We're not in it for a quick profit, we're in it for the future and of our kids and grandkids. We moved from one wool producer group to another. Peter Slacksmith spoke with Richard Halliday, President of Wool Producers Australia. Richard, we've just been in Sydney today um, all day in the AWI offices with the Industry Consultative Committee. Are there any key things that you'd like to convey to growers from the meeting today? No, I think it was like the process is gra- like gradually evolving into more effective than what may have been in the past. The explanations we received in regards to a few issues that have been out there were good. I had heard them prior, but it's good to get that clarity that we can actually go back and say to people why things are done. It was good to hear from Julie Davis out of the Hong Kong office because that, to me, that's something really special that's happening there. Having seen it, it's yeah, I'm very confident in that process and even you know to catch up with some of the each time we catch up with a different staff member in regards to certain issues which was fine um and we had peter with us again today talking about a few issues that are you know around the industry which is always good to refresh your mind and make you realize what you need to do we're here at taluna uh, near Harrow in Western Victoria, and uh, it's been a very exciting day at the Merino Lifetime Productivity Field Day. And I have three people with us: Anne Ramsey, who manages uh, the MLP nationally; Tom Silcock, who manages this particular site; um, and Craig Dewar from uh, from Western Australia, from the Pindley site. 
Um, we've had an amazing day here, maybe 100, 160 people here, and just over there are uh, 1,400 sheep that have been drafted 50 ways. It's been a logistical, some would say nightmare, but I would Challenge. say, I would say uh, victory. Guys, congratulations uh, on this day and amazing interest in it. Um, Tom, to you first, uh, what are you learning from the Merino Lifetime Productivity Project so far? As we perhaps thought would happen, that the sheep are changing as they get older and uh, we're probably litmus testing all of that stuff and I think the um, second year analysis is already starting to show some changes to the first year predictions and that's what MLP is all about, putting a litmus test on all our perceptions of what we think the sheep are going to do over their lifetime. So it's, uh, and it's essentially looking at the genetic merit of an animal and a sire throughout its life is that how, how it works yes it, yeah it is through through assessing their progeny throughout life using objective measurement and hands-on independent classing and joining those animals annually um, we're going to get a, a good grasp on not only um, genetic components but also economic components of lifetime performance so it's uh it's really sort of branching into new territory. And Craig, uh, what's been the response in WA? Because you're, I think, in your first or second year. Um, has WA embraced the idea? Yes, that's correct. Um, I think it's been embraced very strongly from the point of view we've had probably our state in two sections, if you like. We've had the performance breeders on their own. Then we've had what I'd call the uh, more traditional type breeders. I think the excitement for us is probably having some of the more traditional type breeders being involved and that's where I'd probably even take this opportunity to, we've got our field day on the 4th of April, of inviting as many people as possible, we're wanting there to have a look and to see the sheep penned up once, same as this, what we're seeing today, in their sire groups, whilst for us it's... Um, very young and there's not a lot of measurement for this field day. Next year is probably the big year for us, but we've got to get this year off to a good start. So I'd uh, encourage all people to uh, come along this year. And Anne, you, you said it earlier today that this has actually brought together a lot of the industry. Um, yeah. As Craig has mentioned, the yeah. more traditional uh, people, uh, subjective breeders and the objective breeders. and. Uh, it's a pretty exciting experiment. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for us all to learn from each other and pick up tips and tools along the way and then ultimately deliver better lifetime performance benefits to growers and, and you know, to come together to share ideas and break down some of those barriers often exist between different breeding beliefs. Yeah, there's no shortage of passion in it. And uh, Tom, you're certainly one of the more passionate breeders in Australia. You must be enjoying this, having been involved with SAR evaluation for a, a very, very long time. Yeah, I think this takes SAR evaluation to a whole new level of excitement because, you know, there's just so many things and so many questions that we, we keep coming up with more and more questions. And uh, we, we hope to discover many of those answers yeah. during the lifetime productivity trial. And I think it's a it's a, a nine-year project or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, well, so nearly rolling into a ten, but yes. You know. yeah. So, mm. so there's a, a lot to learn over the next decade. Thank you very much today. Congratulations on, on a wonderful day. And... Uh, Stay tuned for more information. Thanks, Mario. Great, Thanks, Mario. thank you. Well, here we are at Istanbul Modern in Turkey where we're holding a naturally inspiring seminar for about 130 students from universities across Turkey. I've got with us uh, Serhan Notop from the company Yatash. Yes, hi everyone. Um, 
We just uh, created Hebu. We just launched our uh, brand about a year ago, but Hebu has, uh, is actually a part of our 41-year-old uh, um, company called Yatash. Uh, the main reason why we launched Hebu was uh, our mission was to uh, create a sleep environment that's uh, completely natural and to provide our customers a 360-degree natural, um, efficient, healthy sleeping environment. And uh, in that regard, using Marina Wool was uh, very crucial to us because of its um, beneficiary factors of providing uh, for the environment issues, uh, the fact that uh, it uh, has a very good uh, absorption of uh, humidity. So in that regard, and because of its 100% uh, natural, we uh, create an entire collection that included pillows and comforters and uh, home textile. Yeah, thanks, sir. And I mean, it, it really uh, goes to some of the attributes that Marino comes through with, as you mentioned there, that come with us in our everyday life, including sleeping. You made a point earlier about uh, Turkey. We know it's an uh, extremely important manufacturing hub, but uh, your comment was to do with uh, that industry moving into other areas in order to remain a healthy business. Perhaps you'd like to explain a bit about that. Well, um, as everybody knows, uh, Turkey is a good uh, production uh, hub for especially uh, textile products uh, in the world. Our challenge was uh, with Hebu uh, to create a story with what we, uh, the products that we have uh, produced. Uh, in order to create that story, we uh, took the uh, path of uh, creating a natural brand and uh, natural substances. And um, again, our challenge is to, with that story to translate all the benefits that wool, Marina wool provides to the customer and uh, packaging that uh, with our products, our design, our, uh, our story, uh, along with our uh, production. Yeah, so, I mean, Turkey remains an extremely important manufacturing hub, but uh, there are companies like yourselves which are uh, innovating and, and turning into, uh, if you like, vertically integrated companies uh, producing um, not only the innovation but bringing that to market. Yeah. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much to be a part of this. That's Seran Altop at a company called Yatash. I hope I got that right. And he was at the Naturally Inspiring Education Workshop in Turkey. He was speaking with Nigel Goss there, who is our manager in the UK. Thank you to all contributors to uh, this edition of The Yarn. Uh, just a reminder that anyone with a smartphone uh, can actually send me audio just at theyarn at wool.com via email. Very much looking forward to any suggestions you have. I very much look forward to speaking with you soon. Goodbye for now.